Hi, my name is Agile, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon, and I believe you should too. Just go to patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner Welcome back, Gen X Grown-Up Podcast listeners to this Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown-Up Podcast. I'm John. Joining me, as always, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And of course, Mo is here. Hey, everybody. Guys, you are standing in a meadow, and in the distance, you can see a knight charging toward you. If you choose to draw your sword and fight, turn to page 12. If you choose to hide in a nearby cave, turn to page 52. But if you choose to reminisce about Choose Your Own Adventure books from your Gen X childhood, (laughs) then stay where you are. You found the right episode. We're going to cover all of our memories of those Choose Your Own Adventure books, the ancillary uh, connected uh, series and all that. We're going to get to all that in this show. But first, my favorite part of the show is the fourth listener email. And the fourth listener email this time is kind of special. This is Stu Baca writing in in response to his Oingo Boingo backtrack that Ah, he won the selection of at the end of last year. I know many times throughout that episode, we talked about the fact that he's probably yelling at us and we apologize in advance. So I was anxious for him to write in and tell us how we did on his topic. So here's a mail from Chewbacca, the subject line, Oingo Boingo Backtrack. And he writes, first off, top rate job. Woo, we win. <laughs> no need to read the rest of the email. We're good. Yeah, we're done. That's not, that's not, we're, we're, yeah. Just not ruin it here. We dodged a bullet. We did okay by him. Uh, he says, I couldn't be happier with the backtrack. You guys knocked it out of the freaking park. I feel like I don't deserve such great work from only recruiting so few people. It's a credit to you what? guys that you work so hard for your audience. I'm going to have to find a way to get more people to listen and subscribe on YouTube. I'm making a pledge to do my own listener drive the rest of the year. Wow. What? Wow. What? Nice. <sighs> now we have pledges. We have pledge drives. Yay. <laughs> We're like PBS. You could get a coffee mug. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, listen, it was fun to do. We weren't sure how well we would do. We tried to become Oingo Boingo experts, and I was just nervous we we're going to screw it up. And I'm, I'm glad we satisfied the most uh, discriminating customer of all. Whew. But he does have some details, so here he goes. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he said that. For starters, he says, George, I'm right there with you in the outrage department. I always felt Danny hadn't gotten the recognition he deserves. Damn right. But considering his body of work, I personally think he's too blue collar for the snobs that hand out the awards. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, that's little freaking uh, elitist. (laughs) So he moves on to say, Mo, I'm looking forward to your backtrack on the geodesic dome. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Our Red Buttman Fuller designed the geodesic dome back. Oh, not yet. Okay. Sorry. What? What? You had that in your head? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, It says, I'm just glad that John did mess with you guys about that a bit. So, yep, I sure did. Uh, I do think the way you guys work, you could easily do single artist or band backtracks. Awesome. And I'd be behind them 100%. I wouldn't mind one on XTC or they might be giants or so many others. Mm -hmm. They might be giants would be fun. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have a bunch of them already in mind. Cough, cough, Alan Parsons. Cough, cough. Right. (laughs) We have to twist John's arm to do that one. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> no, but we just have to twist our 
years to listen to John talk for an hour and a half. Yeah, we're oh not my goodness. Yeah, me and George would go off and play a video game on the side yeah. and let John, <laughs> John just talk. Uh, I agree. I, I think artists, I mean, he opened our eyes to go, you know, we haven't really focused much on music other than like our top 10 songs, but we can look at artists or bands and I think it would go well. So God, oh, I don't yeah. want to do a Huey Lewis in the news one now. Oh, man. Yeah, and, I really like that they might be giants. That's kind of. I mean, that would be fun too, but Huey Lewis in the news, especially since he's been oh, in the yeah. news lately. Flock of seagulls? Are you kidding me? Oh, oh yeah. Geez. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's <laughs> so much potential. He wraps up to say, but anyway, again, guys, you rock. I look forward to the next podcast. You know, no matter what, I'll be there to listen. Simper Quartus, Stu. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Stu. Awesome. That's great. I, I, I'm so relieved to know that we didn't totally botch that one. It was fun to do. It was fun to listen to, fun to edit, but not fun waiting to hear what the results would be for Stubaka if we did well for him. So great. <laughs> if you would like your email read here on the show or you have suggestions that you think we could do an upcoming uh, backtrack, hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. We read every single email and most of them get read right here on the show. We'll throw you in the hopper. All right, gents. Uh, I think it's time to turn to page 15 and get into this Choose Your Own Adventure backtrack <laughs> right after this. The bridge is out and the natives are restless. Man called a crossboss. It comes across like a crossboss. Cross the two-fisted 4 by 4 that's not afraid to cross the danger line. It comes across like a crossboss. Crossboss carries its own automatic bridge to climb and conquer anything. It comes across like a crossboss. Choose your own adventure books. Uh, something mm. that I read diligently throughout my uh, elementary school career, but not everybody might be familiar with them. I know that all of us have seen and read and played with them. So let's talk first about what the concept of these books are for anyone listening that hasn't seen one yet, right? So Choose Your Own Adventure is actually a trademarked thing. It's kind of like right. Xerox yeah. for copiers or Kleenex for mm -hmm. tissue or whatever. But it, it, there's a genre called game book, mm -hmm. which is uh, Choose Your Own Adventure falls into. Choose Your Own Adventure actually creates created the genre uh, when it launched in the mid 70s. But it's a book that has a fictional story in it that lets you participate by making choices at the end of every few paragraphs. You know, John, interestingly enough, the Choose Your Own Adventure books, that wasn't really the first series that came out about these game book type things. Sure. The first okay. game book series proper seemed to have been the tracker books, which were published by a company called Transworld in the United Kingdom back starting in 1972. Hmm. So even like a couple of years before for Choose Your Own Adventure here in the U.S. started kicking off. And they did mostly the same kind of genres. You know, you're going to have science fiction, you're going to have fantasy, you're going to have mystery, sports, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Try to hit all the different interest genres that people yeah. that are just in. Right. Yeah. But the actual, like, original Choose Your Own Adventure copyright books. <laughs> right. Um, right. They were published by Bantam Books, and they were super, super popular children's series. I think they were through the 80s and the 90s. Oh, yeah. They sold over 250 million copies between 79 and 98. If you could believe I'm that. honestly yeah. surprised it was that low considering how scholastic book fairs they were everywhere books out. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Yep. And they were cheap too. They were like a buck 99 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they were expensive. Yeah. They, and they were thin little books, right? They but were thin. You could read them multiple times was the cool part. Well, and I think because as a kid, I didn't enjoy reading. So you would get a book and I judged whether or not I was going to read that book based on how thick it was. If it was a thick <laughs> book, I wasn't touching any of it. But those Choose Your Own Adventure books, they were small books. Both in size, you know, like they were only like like three or four inches tall and a couple inches wide. And then they were very thin. So it was more approachable for me as a young person. And it was a game. So it didn't feel like, oh, I've got to read every page. Mm -hmm. It was like, I might not end up reading the whole book. I might only end up reading 20 pages of this. It thing. felt like so, a cheat. Like when 
I went to the Scholastic Book Fair, I wasn't looking for books. I was looking for toys and gadgets, right? Right. <laughs> but the Choose Your Own Adventure books felt like you were cheating. It looks like a book, but it's a game. Ha ha, I win. <laughs> yeah, Dad, I'm reading. <laughs> yeah, and it turns out, tricks on me, I was reading. Damn it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the hallmark of the Choose Your Own Adventure books, as you would read them, is they were written in the second person point of view. Right. Up until the Choose Your Own Adventure books, I didn't understand the first person, second person. There. But the way that Choose Your Own Adventure books, that becomes the litmus test so I remember what second person means. It basically is me telling you what you're seeing. You see this. You see that. Right. This happened to you. It's telling you about what's happening to you. So you are the protagonist in these books almost always. And you're just making choices every few, you know, every page or so. It Like I did at the open of the show. It's like, here's what's happening. You have a binary choice. Every, every single one of them. Actually, they started playing with it later. But almost always, it was a binary choice. Do this one thing. Do this thing. Mm-hmm. Turn to that place in the book. Yeah. And it was so much fun because everybody had their different ways of reading Choose Your Own Adventure. Some people like me me use the pinky finger technique. That's where <laughs> you you decide which one we you call want that to leave, the but you leave your technique, George. You leave the your little pinky technique. finger on the choice page so that when you flip over, if you see the word death, okay, your pinky's yep. still there. You didn't really go nope. all the way over. Redo, redo. <laughs> it was like keeping your hand on the chess piece in chess. You hadn't yep. released the chess piece yet, so it didn't count. Doesn't count yet. So the guy goes, aha, and you're like, no, no, I didn't mean it. Did anybody understand or get at the time how these book series were really heavily influenced by things like Dungeons and Dragons, which came out in 74. I know the UK books, they started in 72 and Dungeons and Dragons came out in 74, but the ones here in America heavily after Dungeons and Dragons just really started to show a lot of that dungeon crawl motif, not just Choose Your Own Adventure, but all the other series out there. Mo, you were a big Dungeons and Dragons guy. What'd you oh, think yeah. about Dungeons and Dragons versus these pick your way through book type of game book things? I enjoyed the Choose Your Own Adventure stuff, but they were always very like, you felt like you were limiting in a way. Whereas like a role playing game, you do literally right. anything. Right, sure. Yeah, like I you see. said, yeah. like, like John, like when you talked at the beginning of the podcast, you're like, you know, you see a knight charging towards you. Do you want to run into the cave or I'm like, what about cower in fear with my butt in the air? I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> is that a choice? Is that a choice? It should be, you well, know? that's actually Mo's default choice anytime anything happens. Just cower with his butt in the air. saved my life more than once. <laughs> I'm weak. I'm and weak. got him a couple me. of girlfriends in the process. Yeah. But the thing is, though, the great thing about them, though, is that you can do it by yourself, right? You didn't need multiple people it, It's involved. easy to get into, easy to get out of. Yeah. Right. Put it in your backpack. Yeah. It, you mentioned, George, it felt like a game. It didn't feel like reading. Yeah. These were like a predecessor to railgun games then, right? Because, you know, in those games, you you have to That's follow right, yeah. a certain path. Mm-hmm. And but you have a binary choice. And you get to choose what door you get to go through on that path. Well, for and sure. puts you into a different room. But that's what these books were long before those video games came out. Well, and it's important to remember that maybe it's not obvious, but this predates any kind of mainstream video games. Mm-hmm. So for a user to have the ability to interact with the fictional story that's going on and impact it, I mean, it was an illusion of power because actually all the choices were written. You're just picking which one you want to read, but it felt like you were in the adventure and that eventually led to other genres of entertainment like video games taking over, but it felt like a video game to me, which was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. It was it was published by Bantam initially, I think you mentioned earlier. Right. They're now owned by Random House, but in the... <laughs> In the early 2000s, whoopsie, Random House allowed the trademark on Choose Your Own Adventure to lapse. Ooh. So another company Uh-oh. kicked up a company right quick called Choose Co. and <laughs> snatched up the trademark. Did they really? <laughs> yep. Oh, man. It started like 05, I think. So starting then, you could still get things branded Choose Your Own Adventure books. 
but it's now a company called Chooseco that puts them out and they can just still crank those out. Now, they don't have the license to the back catalog. Right. But they make new ones. Uh, so. and, and anybody can write a game book. Like nobody could copyright or trademark the concept of choosing your path, but sure. the name Choose Your Own Adventure is now owned by them. I wonder if those books are any good compared to the originals. I got to think. I mean, there's tons of creative writers out there. As long as you can find interesting places to to branch the story. And I looked at their website. I mean, they're cranking out stuff regularly, so I would hope so. And I wonder if any of those writers were influenced as children by the original Choose Your Own Adventure books. That'd be interesting to know. You got to think so. I mean, you grew yeah. up in that era, unless you were just right. have your head in the rock, you were exposed to those. <laughs> and that brings up an interesting question that I wanted to ask you. So actually, I keep saying Choose Your Own Adventure, Choose Your Own Adventure, Choose Your Own Adventure. It's hard to say over and over and over. That's not what I called the these books when I was a kid. And I'm curious, did you have a shorthand? What did you call them? Would you call them CYOA? Did you call them adventure books, game books? I know that I called them choose books. That's just all I called them. We call them choose books. Uh, no, I just call them adventure books. Adventure books. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I called them the full title. I called them did choose, you? Your, choose own your own adventure. adventure. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I don't know why. It's just what stuck with us. Even the books that weren't choose your own adventure, I called choose your own adventure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Xerox. Xerox that's all, yeah. They're all Xeroxes. Yeah. It's made by Sony. That's a Xerox. That's right. what it is. Exactly. So we're going to follow the story of how the Choose Your Own Adventure books originated, but I want to start by telling you that the series was based on a concept created by a gentleman named Edward Packard, and his first adventures were put out by a small, independently owned printing press, and it was called Adventures of You series, and it started with his first story, Sugar Cane Island, in 1976. Okay. Mm. Now, Hordak reveals the most gruesome trap ever. The Horde Slime Pit. The what? The Slime Pit. Now, Spike, or you're my slave. Not the slime. Yes, my slime will overpower you. I've been slime. No one escapes the evil Horde Slime Pit. So I'd mentioned Mr. Packard, who uh, originated the idea with his Adventures of You series. So the core idea for the series came from bedtime stories. He used to tell his daughters revolving around a character named Pete and his adventures. <laughs> he said, I had a character named Pete, and I usually had him encountering all these different adventures on an isolated island. But that night, I was running out of things for Pete to do. So I just asked <laughs> my daughter, what would she like to do? Smart. Yeah. She came up with different paths for the story to take. And he thought, you know, that's cool. I wonder if I could write this down. Hmm. I wonder, too, if the binary choice came from the fact that he had two daughters. Maybe, like you'd pick two and then say which one do I right. want to read? because like if he had had three or four daughters that he was reading this to would that have changed? Would you have had more choices books? in these books? Possibly. It was prolific. There were tons and tons of titles so invariably we probably have some of our favorites, but it also evolved quite a bit over the course of the life of the series. Yeah, as, the, as it went forward they experimented with the game book format quite a bit. They sometimes had different unexpected twists and stuff and then the one that always bothered on my mind and someone was this endless page loop like if you want to do this go to page 52 and oh you did that go back to page 27 oh if you want to do this go to page 52 mother son of really a- I, yeah i never saw the endless page loop but that is it's oh a, my god <laughs> you get stuck in i, I can mean, see that I like a that fun in more of the not choose your own adventure really? series but some of the other brands of yeah, this style okay. of game book thing yep. but man was that maddening to have to go through that <laughs> to get stuck oh my god well it depends how many <laughs> times did you do that for you really that you're stuck. Uh, like twice, and then I just throw the book down. I wasn't stuck anymore. I just God damn it, I've been reading this for two hours. That was it. Stop progressing. I'm not stuck. It's on fire. Yeah. <laughs> 
I just ripped the page out. There you go. <laughs> well, let's talk just a little moment then about what you remember from Choose Your Own Adventure books, the Xerox series, whatever we want to call it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all those. Your favorite books. Now, I really only have one, and I still own the book to this day. It's sitting right here in my hand as we speak, actually. Is it really? He's still stuck in that yeah, endless loop. He doesn't know how to get out of it yet. I'm stuck in that loop. I haven't gotten out of it. <laughs> it's called The Cave of Time, and it was oh, yeah. it's considered to be the first one of the official Choose Your Own Adventure books, even though the sugarcane island thing that you mentioned earlier was one right. of the first stories that he wrote. Right, but that was before CYOA. Yeah, sure, yeah. Right? But man, I loved The Cave of Time, but I never bought any ones after that because I went into the other branded series. Did you guys have any that you really liked? I'm not sure I remember the story of any of them because oddly enough, yeah. it's not like a movie or TV show you watched because you could have multiple stories and endings. So I don't remember mm-hmm. like the deep plots, but two that I remember that I don't have anymore, but I was very much attracted to the science fiction-y stuff. There were two that I loved called Space and Beyond and Space Patrol. If it had a rocket oh, on it, sure. I was in. <laughs> it, 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 most of them were, you know, you went off to a planet, something happened on the planet. So it was less about outer space. It was more just exploring, you know, aliens or something. Right. But th- those were always fun. And as much as I loved all these space ones, there's one that I never experienced but read about in preparing for this show. There's a outer spacey one called Inside UFO 5440. And there's one ending there that can only be reached by either cheating or accidentally turning to the wrong page. <laughs> That's actually kind of brilliant. <laughs> that, well, brilliant and a ripoff at the same time. I mean, these are targeted toward like 8 to 15 year olds, right? I mean, that's right. kind of oh, yeah. rude. <laughs> you know that, listen, Pinky Boy, we know that the kids <laughs> cheat the system. <laughs> Periodically, I would flip through and see the different ways you can die or the different things. And so did you ever backtrack a game, like find the ending you want and figure out how to backtrack through it? I never backtracked it, no. Like I'd flip through and see a picture of like somebody getting eaten by a monster. I'm like, how did that come to pass? And I look for a reference to that page and figure out how you can end up there. I was always just trying to win. I was never trying to find the interesting stories, which obviously was a failing on my childhood mind. I would have been smarter to find the interesting stories and get more enjoyment out of the book. But (laughs) at that age, it was a game. So I was just trying to win the game every time. That's what my whole goal was. Was there a winning air quotes winning or there's just different endings? I don't know. I felt like there was a way to win. Okay. Uh, Certainly in the other brands, there definitely was because the other brands even went heavy into the single player role play genre. You could even roll dice and build characters in the games and stuff. Well, I remember for sure there were like bad, okay, and more interesting endings, but I'm not sure if there was ever meant to be a, maybe as you mentioned, in maybe the other kind of series, there was a, you know, you found the chalice, you win. Sure. But they, some of them were just kind of shades of gray. It's like you did something different. They had some different kind of varieties of things to happen. It's I funny. They had under Bantam, which I guess is, again, is the gold standard of these things. Yeah. They had like a whole different categories of these different ones. Like they had like oh, sure. the young yeah. readers ones, the super adventures. There's like a passport one. It was like a travel one. Then they had like a lot of the, I guess you call them the cross marketing ones, I guess. So I don't know what you call it, like like Walt Disney series. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Indiana yep. Jones right. Chronicles, Star Wars series. Star, oh, Star Wars was huge. Like they put a lot of those. licensing versions yeah, of exactly. something, right? It's like the Lego model. Like, we got Legos. What can we map onto and the Legos? there wasn't exactly. a small amount of these books either. Like, the main franchise, Choose Your Adventure, had like 185 of those things up until 1998. I probably read at least half of them, too. You think? <laughs> wow. <laughs> the one I thought was the most interesting of all these is like, Choose Your Own Nightmare. Oh, that right. Yeah, like, like a riff on that. With the whole goose 
Goosebump series and all that stuff, uh, you know, those they suddenly realize like young readers kind of like a little creepy. <laughs> sure. Know? Yeah. So now you get to choose whether or not you go into that dark cellar with the old man that you don't know who he is, you know, and see what happens. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> so I, I have a question for you before we get out of this segment. So we talked about how we, George, you had that one that you still have today. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to hear whether it's Choose Your Own Adventure or the other game books. How did you get your Choose books? Did you buy them or rent them or steal them from the library or how did you come across them? Book fairs? I bought one, which I still have. And then the rest of them, it was borrowing them from friends in school. You know, somebody would come with the one that they had just picked up. And I remember for some reason, everybody would talk about picking them up at the grocery store. So it was kind of like comic books at the point. You know, there was always that one little bookshelf section in public's grocery stores. Oh, damn, I never looked there. I wish I'd known (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah, who would think of finding a book in a public? There was always that one little section. And on the lower shelves were where the kids' books were. And apparently there were a whole bunch of those choose your own adventure ones. And so my friends would, as they went to the grocery store, they would always buy the new one. So I didn't have to. I had the Atari 2600. Right. So everybody came to my house to play that and would bring the books. So you read them game time while you read the book. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how many I ever really even owned, but I remember them always being available because in my classrooms, many times in in Mm, grade school, they would have them all on the shelf. And if you finished your work, you could read a book and I'm not going to read a book that's not a game. I'm not a chump. I'm going to go and get a choose your own adventure book. <laughs> sure. And so that's why, that's why I said I read so many of them is I'd go through and go, I've done that one. I've done that one. I've done that one because if I could get my work done, which I would do fast, I would go and get another one off the shelf. And they had, you know, they probably had 50 or hundred up there that you could dig through. Uh, but what about you? Where did you acquire the ones that you read or just uh, borrowed most them? Most like, can you say, John, like you were like in my elementary school room, like, oh, you finished the test early. Go grab one of these books. But the other one's Scholastic Book Fairs. I mean, I think they've always had like a whole mm, sure, table the of these suckers. Yeah. I've spent my entire life chasing the high of the Scholastic Book Fair. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about it. Here's some money for books. That would be an auction site right now that would probably, you know, like you would fund that auction site just by yourself. If somebody said book fair auctions, you would just go nuts over that website. Yep. Done. Sounds good. <laughs> well, you, you had money and you went into, again, to ostensibly buy books. And the Choose Your Own Adventure was the easiest way to, to do that because you're like, well, it looks like a book. No one will know any better, but it's, it's so much a game. <laughs> you're like fooling people. Uh, they think I'm reading. Of course, you were actually the one being fooled, right? Because you actually Damn were it, reading. Adults trick me again. <laughs> <laughs> Open your mind to Dungeons and Dragons computer game from Mattel Electronics. It will lead your imagination down a dungeon labyrinth wherein lies the dragon's treasure. Steal his treasure, but make no false moves. For in Dungeons and Dragons, a dead end is a dead end. Following on then with the story about Mr. Packard, who we said designed the concept for these books and for reading to his daughters. Uh, So soon after he developed the basic premise for his books, uh, the one based on Sugarcane Island, which we said that he read with his daughters. Right. uh, He set out in 1970 looking for a publisher and was rejected by nine different companies. Mm. Idiocy. How many things have we missed out on because nobody would buy into it or couldn't see the vision? Probably tons. Oh, yeah. You know, before the self-publishing boom, right? Right. Exactly. Look at the indie development market of everything, games and 
books and everything. You know, that's because anybody can self-publish by getting people behind you, not a corporate machine, right? Right. He actually shelved the idea for these books for five years. Wow. And then in 75, he was able to convince Ray Montgomery, who owned a small printing press, to publish just the one book and it sold 8,000 copies, which was a lot for wow. a small publishing house. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he went on later, he marketed it to Pocket Books and it sold well, but ultimately they thought they could do better and that's when they went to Bantam. Bantam picked them up and titles started cranking out. Many of the ones that we've talked about, starting with Cave of uh, Cave of Time. Was Cave it of Time, yeah. Cave of I Time, mean, yeah. It's interesting though that you mentioned that he shelved it for five years. So technically that means his style of writing and his book was done before the UK one that was done sure. in 72. Yeah. So that's right. You know, the man yeah, it was 70 actually when he was started the genre before anybody knew it. But think about that. He started it. Nobody knew about it really. It was rejected by nine publishers here in the US. No buy-in. But somebody over in the UK came up with the exact same idea around the same time frame and got it published. It's just mind boggling to me that the same idea originated in two separate vacuums and one rejected it and the other one published it. It just blows my mind. Once somebody figured out what they had cooking, it took off. And Choose Your Own Adventure, we mentioned, is just a brand. Mm -hmm. There are lots of other ones that also follow that model of letting you choose your path in literature. Yeah, I want to talk about my favorite one of those other Kleenex brands out there then. (laughs) (laughs) The tissues. The tissues. (laughs) The copiers, right? right? (laughs) It's a series called Endless Quest, but Endless Mm. Quest is centered and branded specifically around Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 They still make those today, don't they? They still make them today. The very first four that were ever published are Dungeons of Dread, Mountain of Mirrors, Pillars of Pentagon, and Return to Brookmere. And the reason why I know those titles so well is I'm holding all four books here in my hand (laughs) as we record this podcast because I never got rid of these books. There have been multiple times where my mother or my wife even have said, we should just go give those to Goodwill. I'm like, oh, hands off. Divorce and <laughs> parent side, whatever I got to do to hold on to these books. They're not going anywhere. <laughs> these, I think I've got a couple of those up in the attic with my Dungeons and Dragons stuff. I love these books. They were so much fun. I was really big into Dungeons and Dragons during the time when these came out. So it was a natural crossover for me. As you should have been oh, because it's man. awesome. I love these books. <laughs> and the one that I still to this day have said that I don't think I've finished the book is Return to Brookmere. That was the hardest damn book to figure out the path to the end. Oh, boy. I still haven't finished it. Ratcheted up the challenge a bit because it was it targeted toward a little bit older kids, I would guess, reading. Probably late teens, sure. right? Yeah, I yeah, would think so. you're playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What about you, Mo? Any other brands that you remember? So I don't know if this is exactly a choose your own adventure, but I think it was it spawned from that. It was a book called Ace of Aces. I think I mentioned to you before, which is actually like this air combat thing. The reason why it makes you think of the same kind of deal is that you had these each you and your friend each had a book with like a bunch of pictures, which is like a first person perspective from a cockpit of a an airplane, like World War One airplane. Okay. And at the bottom, you had like all these maneuvers you could do. And then based on that, what you picked and what the other person picked, it made you both turn to a certain page that would show you where that other plane was in perspective to you where you are now. So you both had to own a copy of the same book? Uh, no, actually two separate books. One was one was like this oh, German wow. airplane, one was Allied. Oh, that's oh, cool. Oh, it came in pairs. Oh, so there were different pair books. came in pairs. Yeah. What we do is like me and a friend would each like chip in the buy it. We each take a book home and get on the phone and we'd be like, okay, 37. <laughs> and the person would say, 47. You flip to the page, you're like, oh crap, he's shooting at me. It was a lot of fun. So you guys were playing analog multiplayer dogfight 
fight games right. over the phone. <laughs> on the phone. Well That's before awesome. video gaming came around. Yeah. I, I remember you mentioning that, but I don't think I got the full understanding of the two book thing before when you mentioned it. That's yeah, pretty even sweet. even had it that there was a way you could play it with three people, but one person had to flip Do you still have any of pages. these? Are they still um, around? Actually, I found them on eBay and I have a bid in on them. Uh, so I'm <laughs> Do you really? I'm hoping because they came out in the 80, like 84 time frame. They, one guy did like a reprint like a few years ago that I didn't know about until too late, but that's the last I heard of them. Well, if the eBay auction gets tight, I'll chip in five bucks to help you win because I want to play. I don't want to own them, but I want to play with you. <laughs> okay. I will contribute to your fund of getting them back for yourself so I can play. So live vicariously uh, through they, you. Yeah, they're awesome. <laughs> so I know that was kind of like a, not really a choose your adventure, but it's a twist on it. It kind of is. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean, do you guys know any other kind of twisty sort of? Oh, <laughs> sure. riffs on Let a theme? me count the ways. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So as many choices you can make in a choose your own adventure, there's that many series out there that are not choose your own adventure, but are game book style series. Uh, one of my favorites after Dungeons and Dragons Endless Quest books was Lone Wolf. This was decidedly in a Conan style universe. And cool. you actually got to roll dice to create a character. And in the front page of the book, you wrote down those attribute numbers like strength of 13. Get out of town. Not- Did no, you really? I swear to God. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like a single player D&D thing. It was a single player D&D on a rail, <laughs> I guess you might say, like we were talking about earlier. And those roles affected the different things that you were able to do in the book and choices you were allowed to make. Like if you have a strength of 13, turn to page 57. Wow. If you have a strength lower than 13, turn and to page 44. what was this 44. called? Lone Wolf. So your stats made the choices huh. based on your character yes. sheet? Yes. That's that's a neat idea. Yeah, sometimes too, like at the beginning of the book, it would say, do you wish to take this with you or that with you? And then later on in the book, if you decided to take the sword of Damocles with you, oh, go to page so you, blah, you blah. made decisions before you knew you were making them. Yeah. That's neat. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Okay. I love Lone Wolf. That was, okay. that was a great series. I still have all the books that I'm going to talk about. I still have the ones that I owned in my possession. Dang. Wow. I kept okay. all of them because I kept replaying them. That was the thing about books that I was not a big, avid, what I thought of as book reader. I don't consider that I really read a book from page one to the ending page until the Tron movie adaptation came out. <laughs> That's the first one I consider right. as the book that I read. But all of these books before that... I didn't think of them as books, but I've held on to them in the same way that people hold on to their original copies of books. In the grand scheme of things, you ended up reading 8,000 pages of that one little <laughs> sure. tiny book. You just, you just didn't know it. Exactly. Yeah, just one paragraph at a time. Now, there were some other ones as well. Time Machine is another one of my favorites. These were ones that had a nice silver gray cover, and they were based on historical events usually. So hmm. you would have things like um, Secret of the Knights. So it would take you back to King Arthur's Round Tables or Search oh, for sense. Dinosaurs. Yeah. Sword of the Samurai, all these different books that would take you back to historical perspectives. They did have one or two that put you into the future, but almost all of them were going back in time. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, hence Time Machine is the name of the series. So much fun. Well, I'm a sucker for time travel, so that would be easy. Yeah, well, and especially, (laughs) I don't know what the right word would be, mythicizing history or something like that. Bringing it to you in a way that's more enjoyable than just sitting in a history class saying, and yes, during the Civil War, some boring Yeah, that's cool. And that's smart. It's the same trick, right? 
they weren't idiots. One was tricking kids to read by making it a game. Mm -hmm. But here's the time machine is tricking you into learning some history. Would you much rather you know watch a movie or TV show about something than read some dry history book? Well, they're like, well, sure. how about you play a game about history? And now yeah. you know something about what happened. Like, or that I legend of King Arthur or whatever. Less right? About the time of the Inquisition in history, the way it was taught to me in history class. Yep. But the time machine book, Flame of the Inquisition, that was Flame one that of I remember. the Inquisition. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's amongst the most 80s titles for a book. I'm like, <laughs> Flame of the Inquisition. Oh, they've got other ones too. There's a guitar. Like <laughs> Blade of the Guillotine. I can hear a heavy metal guitar in the back. I'm thinking, like, if you want to use thumb screws, turn to page right. three. If you want. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> How would you like to torture your victim? <laughs> your person has died. You got no information. Yeah. You know? Right. Oh, well. And probably the final one that I was really big into that was an off-brand Choose Your Own Adventure book was one that is in a world that we probably all three have a fondness for, and that was Tolkien Quest. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, of course. All the books were set in the world of J.R.R. Tolkien and the whole Lord of the Rings series and The Hobbit and The Cimmerillion. It wasn't those stories. It was like alternate stories outside, but in that yeah, world. In that same world, yeah. though. Yeah. It was an expanded universe before that was something anybody really thought Before that of had a name, a right? Yeah. Well, you called it something, yeah. Yeah, I love those Reminds things. Reminds me, as many times we have reference how these laid the groundwork or were video games before they were video games. Mm -hmm. And I think about that transition of Infocom text adventures like Zork mm. and things like that, yep. which were not binary decisions. But I always felt like that was a mapping of choose your own adventure onto my new hobby of computers because mm -hmm. you could sit at your computer and choose your own adventure from a much broader sure. tree of choices. I don't know how anybody wouldn't think Zork a spiritual successor to the choose your own adventure. Yeah, stuff. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No, instead of two choices, Choices you had 15. Yeah, of right. course. And yep. depending upon how you wrote your answer to whatever question they posed to you, you know, it was, you might have misspelled it and the thing might not interpret it correctly. And <laughs> yeah. so there was a lot of hiccups, but it was still fun. Oh, oh sure. I was. love those games. Well, and not unlike your lone wolf, George, in that kind of game, like in Zork, whether or not you picked something up or made someone angry earlier might make a choice for you later. So they mapped that kind of other mm -hmm. decision making onto it as well, because you had inventory and items to pick up and move around. Exactly. Right. Also, as video games were evolving, the other game that I played a lot in the arcade, and George, you played more than I did even, that always made me think of Choose Your Own Adventures was Dragon's Lair. Yeah. Hmm. Because it was a movie that was flowing and I couldn't exactly control the character, but there right. were points where I could flip the joystick or hit the button in one direction or the other, and it was a branching story. Now, most of them ended in death, granted. Death, yeah. but <laughs> right. Pretty much all of them did. <laughs> right. It was either the right choice or death is all you had, but they were always like these binary decisions or swing the sword or don't swing the sword. Sure. And I always thought that was kind of the first time that video games used that in what Choose Your Own Adventure mapped, making choices and mapped it onto a book, whereas Dragon's Lair took that same decision path and mapped it onto a cartoon, which yeah. was kind of novel for the time. The only thing that was probably slightly different is that your choice didn't decide what the next scene was. Right. So in the choose your own adventure books, it would say, do you want to go into the cave of time or do you want to go home? And that would choose the next scene. But in Dragon's sure, Lair, okay. it yep. was just you were trying to successfully navigate the scene you were in. And then you were presented with another scene to successfully navigate. And once you had completed so many of them, you got to the final. Your scene. two choices were do the right thing or die with my binary right, choice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> really. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not choose your own adventure, but definitely influenced by it for sure. Go for yep. sure. My Baby, and I love her. 
One is a swing, one is a horse. There's even a stroller to rest in, of course. As we come into the last segment here, let's just put a bow on Mr. Packard's adventure as he was, uh, no pun intended, adventure <laughs> to develop the Choose Your Own Adventure books. The actual title of Choose Your Own Adventure was born when Ed sold his second and third books. The second one was called Deadwood City. That was a Western saga. Oh, yeah, it wasn't called right. Choose Your Own Adventure anything. And the junior editor named Dina Stevenson was given the assignment to create the jacket for the book, right? So what's this series of books going to look like that make them all cohesive? Mm-hmm. So she came up with the idea to call it the Choose Choose your own adventure in the Wild West. And the next one was choose your own adventure in space. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So Packard was like, well, perfect. Let's just call the whole series Choose Your Own choose Adventure. Your own adventure. Yeah. And that red bubble at the top mm-hmm. of every single book that you see is in that serif font, Choose Your Own Adventure. So after the third book, they're like, you know what? Well, let's just call them all Choose Your Own Adventure books. And the rest is history. That's where they yeah. got their name. Uh, it's okay. always funny how some fortuitous decision is what establishes a huge genre or something like that. I don't think you could have come up with a better name. I know that, you you know, we talked about the ones previous segment, Tolkien Quest and Endless Quest. I don't care if you don't have the phrase choose your own adventure. I don't think this genre gets as big as it did. Yeah. I mean, it's a mouthful, but man, did it absolutely cemented it as a, a kind of a cornerstone. It launched its own genre of those other types. We had mentioned that Bantam, they let their copyright expire. Yeah. And right. they were purchased by ChooseCo. Uh, and that kind of segues well into looking at what, what's happening today in the realm of choose your own adventure or things influenced by it. They're still putting out titles today. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They continue to do a lot of the things that they their copycats might have done in the past, they're embracing and doing, like doing historical pieces, like about ah. Houdini or Matahari. So you learn historical stuff. Oh, okay. So kind of like what Time Machine did. Okay. Yeah, but they are genuine choose your own adventure books. They have that beautiful red bubble across the top, but the rest of the art design is different, but they continue to do those. And in fact, <laughs> Choose Co. being somebody who snapped up somebody else's trademark, kind of ironic that they tried to sue Netflix over that <laughs> Bandersnatch Choose Your Own Seriously? Adventure what? show. Yeah, how, how you can't sue that? somebody? That's like suing somebody. I'm Ford, and you can't build a car. No, they used the term Choose Your Own Adventure in the story, and that's uh, why uh, they tried to lay claim. Yeah, because they didn't call it gameplay or pick a path or whatever. They actually used the name, and they're like, "Oh no, that's ours." I'm like, "But you stole it from Bandersnatch." because they slipped up. (laughs) You of all people should appreciate that. Jesus. (laughs) Nintendo did a series called Nintendo Adventure Books and a bunch of those had oddly named You Decide on the Adventure type books. (laughs) (laughs) They were making sure before Choose Co. came around, they were still being careful. (laughs) And they were based on obviously Nintendo video games. I mean, your Mario or your Peach or whoever. So if you go down this pipe or if you grab Peach. (laughs) Easy, leave Peach alone, George. I don't know. I'm just saying he was trying to rescue her all the time. I don't know. <laughs> also, if you happen to have noticed on your Target or other game store shelves where I found them was Target, there are now series, there are two of them out now, of tabletop games that look like and are named Choose Your Own Adventure board games. First one called House of Danger. Really? Yeah. And I, embarrassingly, I bought it and have yet to crack the shrink wrap on it. It's like, <laughs> absolutely, I want that. And it's on a shelf it goes. It looks exactly like an old Choose Your Own Adventure book. It's uh, about thick as like four or five books stacked together. And inside there's game pieces and dice and a little board, but 
you playing that kind of game on a board game with other people. So I'm sure it's ChooseCo is doing it because they own it now. But that's another way to bring that into the modern, the way people play games today, bringing those books into that. They're not the only ones doing it either. No, I mean, we've talked often about Zork and Dragon's Lair, you know, the oh, video yeah. games Love that have been influenced by this style of a choice makes something else happen later on. Some of the most popular games that are out there right now are all based on these decision matrices where early on in the game, you choose to, you know, shake hands with a person instead of pulling your hand back. And then later on, that person is helpful to you instead of being a jerk to you or something like right. that. Right? Yeah, well, that's become a mechanism in so many games now, sure. right? Oh, whether, yeah. whether they're action games or whatever. And you talked about Bandersnatch, but before Bandersnatch came out, there was a game called Late Shift that was another full motion video movie style thing. But instead of released as a Netflix movie where you clicked with your pointer on Netflix, this is a video game that you can play on Steam, but it's full motion video film that hmm. every now and then the choice pops up. Do you want to get in the car or do you want to run okay. to the garage? You know, oh, right. that kind of stuff. Yep. And it's a very engaging story. I loved it. I played the whole thing and got to an, a conclusion of the multitude of conclusions in probably like two hours worth of gameplay. But because it's choose your own adventure, you can go back do it again and, right choose, and do yeah. something different. Well, didn't you play a bunch of the Telltale games too, oh, George, that, that, those, are, yeah. that are almost, and Mo did too, that are basically, yes. oh, yeah. they are choose your own adventure. There's almost no action. It's all decision making. Walking Dead, that's the most popular yeah. line of Telltale games. And rightfully so, they did a wonderful job with those games. And which ones did you play, Mo? Oh, I mean, I, I think I played all of these. The Walking Dead was the one that recently they just finished it finally because the company mm -hmm. went out of business. The company, oh yeah, they had to go back and pick it up yeah. after they went and out of business. And somebody else right? picked it up. So that was pretty awesome. Yep. The thing I think it makes these games different than playing like other video games, you're controlling the story, not necessarily the character per se. Mm -hmm. One is you're the character, right? In some of these video games. Yep. And this one, you're not really the character. You're just controlling the character. Sure. Okay. You yeah. Because they're doing their own things also as well that you don't have any control over. Have any of you played The Wolf Among Us from Telltale? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Like based yeah. on the fairy tale characters and like a gritty yeah. modern I'm like really city sad that that one didn't get any sequels. That one really should have had some sequels. It was very it's good. It's getting a sequel oh, now. It's getting one. Oh, it is getting oh, is one it? now, finally? It is. Oh, oh good. thank goodness. Well, let me tell you, it went back and forth. The last I saw, it is going to happen. Because, I mean, you know, it was back and forth whether Telltale was, you know, a company even because I thought they were no, shutting Telltale's down. No, not a company. They're not, but somebody's picking up their IP. And is trying good. to do something with it, but they deserve oh, it. Good. That was one that was very much, yes, you kind of controlled the guy, but mostly he just wandered around until there was mm -hmm. a next chance for you to make decisions. Right. And the thing was that you also spent yeah. a lot of time like reading stuff and because you're reading a story. Of course. Yeah. It was just yeah. a story, like I said, just with options every now and then. And with dialogue and animation right. and stuff. But they're tricking you into reading. Again, this right. bastard. Yes. <laughs> God, God damn it. Well, if we're going to talk about choice style video games, I think it would be a travesty if we didn't talk about what's probably the Gen X Grown Up channel's favorite choice based <laughs> video game of all time, Life is Strange. Oh, right. I mean, that may oh, be the oh, ultimate culmination of that's like a direct choices. mapping yeah. yeah you do almost nothing in that game other than look at things and read all about them mm -hmm. and then decide yeah. which of these choices to make and sometimes it like freezes the screen and plays dramatic music pick this path or pick this path it's oh my very God. much like that yeah. do you remember the, that scene with the girl on top of the school that's exactly what I was thinking about the yeah. girl's oh, about to commit suicide that stressed me mm -hmm. out that's me and my daughter were playing it and we're sitting there like freak because we didn't want to make a decision because we're like oh my God if we make the wrong decision she's going to die 
die. But then we, if we don't make a decision, she's going to die. So we had to make a yeah. decision. And that's the <sighs> exact feeling that I had when I was playing some of those Endless Quest Dungeons & Dragons games or the Lone Wolf series. When I was playing those games, I was like, holy crap, my character's going to die. And I would have that anxiety even as a young person. Like, if I make the wrong decision, my character's going to die. I'm going to lose, you know. Mm-hmm. It was horrible, but it was fun at the same time. Yeah. Well, you felt engaged. And the biggest problem probably with these modern video games that have the choose your adventure mapped onto them is that Georgia can't do the pinky cheat anymore. Yeah, true. <laughs> Although with Life is Strange, at least you had the little button that you could click and rewind time. And so rewind that time. Was nice. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> that felt like the pinky cheat to me. Other than that, it's restart or load your last save or something, right? Because you make those decisions and they try to make them stick. They try to make them meaningful so yes. it's not easy to go back. Yeah, Life is Strange and, and its successors and predecessors and everything loop through it. It just goes to show you how that book series that never died, by the way, it's still going strong today. Not only do we love it as kids, but it mapped onto all kinds of other media that we continue to to enjoy to this day from games to books to movies to Netflix shows. Jeez. <laughs> Discover all new adventures, all the wonder, all the characters you love in the best-selling Star Wars novels. Thrilled to these all new adventures, true to the spirit that inspired us all. Read a Star Wars novel today and let the force be with you. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us, they'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy. Plus, you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. That is going to wind up our look back at Choose Your Own Adventure books on this backtrack. I'm grateful to get together with you guys and uh, talk about it, but I'm also grateful to the amazing people who support us over on Patreon. These are folks that literally support us with their dollars every month, a couple of bucks to help keep the lights on, supporting what we do every week here at the podcast over on YouTube and on the website. And I love reading them out and giving attention to them. I'm talking about you guys. <gasps> Levi, Gary, Jonathan H, T, and Dana, Blasted or Stash it, Marcus, Dan, Arlem, Davis, Adam, Agile, Chet, T2, Greg Z, Chad, Stu Monkey, Slow Most, Chewbacca, Greg L, Thomas, Mike C, Mike, R, Ben, Mark, and Tony. I think I made it. <laughs> yeah. We still have a Chet. Yay. Ooh, we have a Chet. You're so happy. I know. <laughs> I we just, just inherited Chet. You know, if you would like to join this roster of amazing human beings, it's easy. George, would you tell the fine fourth listeners how they can join this roster? I will give it a shot. I think <laughs> if you want to choose to become a uh, Gen X grown up Patreon supporter. See what you did there. Turn to page three. <laughs> you need to go to <laughs> patreon.com slash Gen X grown up. Yes. Click a button. Give us a donation. Some of the donations have have nice little benefits with them. You get to see behind the scenes footage kind of stuff on the mm-hmm. YouTube series. You get to hear outtakes and things like that from the podcast or, you know, John will tell you all about our financial shenanigans and some <laughs> of his rants <laughs> on Patreon. Right. It's content only yeah. available to our patrons. Yes. Yeah. And as even a, some of the higher patron. levels, you get merch even, swag, which is really swag. awesome. You know, gotta love it. <laughs> it's very 
Very cool. We hope you'll consider joining us. We sure appreciate it if you do. We will be back in two weeks with another Backtrack and next week with a regular edition of the show. Until then, I'm John. Mo, thank you so much for being here. Always fun, man. George, you know I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Fourth listener, though, we appreciate you most of all, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown-Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. CY. I keep thinking, like, when you say CYOA, I keep thinking CYA. I don't know why. It just... CY... I, I hear that, too. When I see when I see CYOA, it's cover your own ass. It's what I yeah, see exactly. CYOA. Yeah. <laughs> so the book was called Paradise Planet, or the book was called Inside UFO 54-40? No, it, it, it's Paradise Planet, and it ends inside of a UFO. But you can only get to that UFO by somehow gaming the game. Oh, okay. Because there's a book in the series titled Inside UFO 54-40. Oh, so I, that's probably all wrong then. I, I, the quote's in the wrong place. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I'm going to, let me do that segment over now that I understand that better. <laughs> two, if you go to, uh, two, if you go to, what the fuck is that word? Um, <laughs>